Mac Power Users, Episode 159, Workflows with David Chartier. I said Chartier at the beginning there, Katie. I heard that. First, I got to do, um, you know, uh, Italian. Now I'm doing French. Welcome to the show, David Chartier. How are you today? I am doing great. Thanks for thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, you know, you've been on our list for a long time. I, you know, Dave. For those who don't know, uh, the first time I became aware of you is I was reading MacWorld magazines and articles, and this is a few years ago. And I kept noticing every time I read a good one, I'd look at the top and it had your name attached to it. And I just thought that you were just really just crushing it at MacWorld with some great coverage. And I, I wrote you an email, and you were really nice. You wrote back to me. And uh, we've kind of had an on-again, off-again email relationship all these years. Yeah, and now it's great to finally put a voice to an email. Yeah, and and I got your last name right, because I was a little worried I'd screw that up. You did. Uh, I thank you for that. Um, It's one of the fun things about the name is you can always tell when a telemarketer is calling. So uh, you did well. Well, see, I (laughs) I actually have Tellier in my background. My my mother is French-Canadian, so um, it's um, it's a thing for me. You know, I want to get that right. And we appreciate you for that. Yeah. And Katie was afraid to say your name. She she backed down. It's your show. I do yeah. evens. You do odds. We yeah, just happen to schedule excuse. we just happen to schedule this for a uh, <laughs> for an even uh, odd number show. There you go. Well well so so for those who don't know, in addition to being an outstanding uh, writer for Macworld magazine, uh, David is a writer, uh, does a lot of great stuff in the technology space. He's a Chicagoan. And uh, he's at davidchartier.com. It's kind of your home base these days. But I know you write still uh, f- some for Macworld and Mac Observer. Um, yeah, I, d- I do. I freelance there a little bit. Uh, something you're doing right now, David, that I want everybody to go subscribe to that hasn't already is Finer Things in Tech. So he's got this amazing little, I think, is it a Tumblr blog? It's It started on Tumblr. Now it's a full WordPress site. Yeah, okay. So And, and what he does is he finds the little interesting things mainly about some of the apple operating system and apps in the uh, apple ecosystem and points them out and i just love it i mean there's there's so many blogs out there you could subscribe to this is one that's just got this huge you know payoff it, you know you don't put a lot of posts up but every one is nice and helpful and makes you smile a little bit and i really appreciate you doing that yeah the one you did i think most frequently that i hadn't seen anywhere else in, in, until you had posted it is that if you uh, register a new Mac on your birthday, Apple gives you a cupcake. Yeah, it's it's it was such a wonder. I think I saw that on Twitter. I think someone brought that up to my attention. And I I have never gotten a Mac on my birthday. So it's one of those things that you won't notice unless you do it on one day out of the year. And uh, that was just such a nice little touch. Yeah, it's like one of those things someone at Apple had the idea. You're not even sure if it went all the way up the chain. It just kind of got implemented. Yeah, there's there's all those great stories floating around about, you know, someone on a project somewhere that snuck in this little detail that, you know, their managers might not even know have known about. And it's this little thing that nobody will run into unless, you know, you're standing in the right spot on a full moon on one night of the month. And that was just so perfect. Yeah. Another one you did recently was the one about the coin flip. I wrote that one up at Max Sparky because that just pleased me so much. So if you've got your phone and you tell Siri to flip a coin, she or he, I guess, depending on your preferences, will will flip a coin for you. Yeah, you can also tell Siri to pick a number between, you know, 
whatever and whatever. I think I'm going to tell my coin flip story. You think I could sh- should share it? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So I was in the LA Superior Court at 7 p.m. one night, and we were working on a case to try and settle it. And there was two different people in this case, and neither one of them, they were very culturally disinclined to settle. And But on a very large number, they were $10,000 apart, which which was not much money compared to the amount of money at stake. But it was surrounding, you know, a big number and they didn't, neither one of them wanted to be the one that said they blinked at the end. So I said, hey, let's flip a coin. And they both jumped on it and we flipped a coin and, you know, the loser said, well, I lost a coin toss for that last 10 grand. And everybody was happy and they stole it. Do you think I could do that with Siri? I don't think, I don't think they'd believe you. I think they'd say it was rigged. Yeah, I don't think it would work either. <laughs> so I still need to keep the quarter in my briefcase is what you're telling me. I think I think I would, yeah. I have a lot of weird tools and a quarter is one of them. But anyway, so, and then Dave, you also have, and this is, I kind of like it. It's kind of like the alpha and the omega. So you've got a great site called Finer Things in Tech, which has got these these great little additions to our Apple stuff that, that we didn't know existed. And then you've got the flip side, which is go home app, you're drunk. <laughs> you know, so he's got another website that shows off when an app does something really stupid and it should go home because it's drunk. And I just I like both of them. They they make me happy anyway. Oh, thank you. They're they're fun to run. And, and that one go home app came out of an idea of uh, uh, Isaiah Carew. Um, he's a, a friend on uh, a little bit on Twitter, but a lot on app.net. He makes Kiwi for app.net and some uh, some add-ons for rapid weaver and we were just joking around about it one day because that's a phrase you know go home you're drunk it's a, it's a meme you can look it up somewhere on the internet and I've, uh, I've never heard that in my life i don't know i would never know <laughs> <laughs> it, it's probably a good thing actually if you've never if someone has never actually told you that uh i think katie tells that to me every time <laughs> we record a show <laughs> <laughs> well then if it's on the internet account there yeah. you go <laughs> um, but that was just a, a total joke one day on, on app.net. And then I figured I'd, uh, I'd fire up a Tumblr and, um, you know, it's a fun little hobby. Yeah. Once in a while you, you find something just hilarious and you put it up there yeah, and, of, then, it, and then somebody files a bug report and then, uh, you know, it probably stops doing that thing. Remember, I don't I don't think John Gruber does anymore, but he used to do like UI of the week or of the month or something. And he put up a user interface of some just like horrendous looking app. And I don't think he's done that for a while, but this, this kind of is in that vein. Yeah. Those, those were the types of things that really made you really made you appreciate the Mac. Like yeah. if you, or, or iOS, if, if that's how you roll, but you know, if you're ever feeling like, wow, this thing is just terribly designed. It's, it's frustrating. Go look at some of those that he's posted the, the UI of the month or whatever. And, uh, that'll, that'll give you some perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It'll now, make you drink. That's for sure. In addition to the to the blogs and 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 all of that in your your freelance work, you do also kind of have a day job. Yes, I do. My my day job is is being the herald, uh, the the PR guy for One Password. I like that. The herald. Did you come up with that? Did they come up with that? Did is that a real thing? I like it. Uh, I I got to. Um, one of the fun things about, you know, small companies like that is we get to do pretty much whatever we want with our job titles. So, uh, Harold is, is kind of fun. Thank you. Uh, but I have to say the best one is our cryptographer. Uh, his name is Jeff Goldberg. Uh, but his position title is the chief defender against the dark arts. That is pretty yeah, cool I too. love that. A little I, bit I of a g- mouthful, but it's worth it. 
I want to get a job someday where I can be the chief mugwump. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure where, I, like, is that from Harry Potter? That might be from Harry Potter. I'm not sure. But mugwump, I just, I've always wanted to call myself a mugwump. It, it definitely sounds potteries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I, I didn't realize it. Well, you know, the, for- the mugwumps were Republican political activists who uh, left oh, the United Lord. States Republican Party by supporting the Democratic candidate Grover Cleveland. Okay, we're going to edit this out. <laughs> Just telling you, man, Wikipedia. Somebody got to, wow, you got fast hands there. It's uh, a, I was thinking that was like Alfred. Fred Flintstone or something. I didn't realize I got it from, well, you know what, then I'll just I'll just forget about that. <laughs> but yeah, um, so, so uh, getting back to, so Dave is, is doing some work with 1Password, which is a sponsor, but you know, we're, he's here because he's our buddy and we're not going to turn this into an hour long ad for 1Password. But it is kind of interesting that, that you do this type of PR work and we've never had one, anybody on the show that does that stuff. And, and David not only does that type of work, he actually teaches people how to do that kind of work because if anybody's written about uh, apps and technology, they know that there's an abundance of people out there that have no idea how to get the word out about what they're creating and make people want to write about it. So that's kind of interesting as well. In fact, you have a website, I think you put up about that, that talk, didn't you, David? Yeah, I did. So it it started a couple of years ago when a friend of mine, Brittany Tarvin, um, she works for Fading Red Software. She runs uh, Fading Red Software. She basically here in Chicago used to run a party called Spiked Coco. It was sort of a small conference that she did yearly for local developers. And they, as she told it to me, they were usually having presentations, short little lightning talks about developer topics. And one year she wanted to basically bring in some different types of things, branch out a little bit. And she asked me to come talk about maybe how developers can learn how to get the word out better. It, exactly like what you said, like learn how to uh, m- get a better message together, how to contact the right people, that sort of thing. Just get the word out about their their apps. And so I put together a quick five minute talk about it and people seem to really like it. So I put the slides up on the web, but... The whole message was just, you know, if you need an elevator pitch, it was just, you know, really sit back and think about what your app does and then spend a little bit of time and go out there and and look for people who might like it. You know, instead of, I mean, as as writers and publishers, as you you two have probably seen, you know, there's a lot of, um, you could call it like a spray and pray strategy, perhaps. Yeah of just sending out press releases and emailing everybody that you can get a hold of and, and that kind of thing. And I don't think that works very much, you know, being on both sides of that fence. I don't think that's the best strategy, especially these days. And the talk is called your app is not a hot dog. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes and it's, it's really great advice. You know, another thing that really doesn't work is to send a writer a, uh, a, a free download code without asking first if they even want it. And then writing back angry in two weeks saying, I gave you a free download code and you haven't written about my app yet. What's wrong with you? That that definitely doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really much more about creating relationships and not just throwing things out there. Uh, I, th- I think that would uh, I think that can really help a lot. I've, I've been contacted that way and it it totally helps the relationship and it gets me interested in in whatever the developer has. And it's it just feels better when you're on the other end of it and you're doing it. When I'm going out and trying to get in touch with people about whatever company that I'm trying to work with, it's it's just it just feels better all around. Yeah. 
I think I'm getting too far inside baseball, but my whole theory on this stuff is I tell people I don't want any free stuff. Don't send it to me. And if you still want to send me free stuff, I don't even know that I'll look at it. And even if I look at it, I don't even know if I'll write about it. And if you're okay with all that, that's fine. And then I feel like I kind of have an honest relation with my readers. I don't write about something unless I'm actually interested in it. And, but it, it took me a long time to get a, a thick skin about that. Hey, Katie, do you have that problem too? Well, I just, I try to make it clear up front. If, if you want to send me something, if you want me to look at something, sure, send me the information. But just because you send it out here, you know, kind of like you, doesn't mean I'm going to write about it. Doesn't mean when I'm going to write about it. But I, I do like to be kept in the loop of, of what's going on. Because if we don't, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff out there that we don't know about. Yeah, agree. The, the, the only way we know about it is, but but don't don't spam me. Don't add me to some PR mailing list or or some garbage like that. And well. and check back three or four times just to make sure, just to follow up on your follow right. up of making sure. Right. Yeah. Well, that that's really probably zero interest to any of our listeners. But <laughs> let's talk a little bit in general about what tools you're using in that role, because you you yeah. are working with a lot of different people and trying to manage relationships. And, and do that in a professional way. So uh, if we can start kind of bigger picture first, um, you, I would imagine that – do you work out of your home? Yes, I do. Okay. And, and so what are you using just kind of in your, in your daily, daily setup to get, to get started? So if we're talking really big picture, like I have a Mac, I have an iPad, uh, also an iPhone. Of course, I guess I got the, the trifecta. Wait a second. Uh, do you have a standing desk with a um, with a treadmill? With a treadmill underneath it? Ah, uh, no, not yet. But oh, I do right, have a standing done. desk. Wait a second. This is over. <laughs> Click. <laughs> um, I do have a standing desk, though. Uh, it is a music stand, and it costs right. me thirty nine dollars. <laughs> I'm working my way up to the standing desk with the uh, the treadmill. Um, but actually, I found you know if if that's part of the the what your readers might be interested in. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I want to get the whole setup, like the desk on hydraulics that like all I have to do is clap twice and it, it raises for me and that whole thing. But for now, uh, I'm just using one of these music stands that's built to support a laptop because there's a lot of musicians that use them in yeah. various capacities. And all I have is an air, so it's really not that much to hold up. But uh, it works. It works really well, actually, for days that I don't need a mouse or anything. You know, like right now I'm using a microphone and, and I've got my trackpad down here, so it wouldn't work right now. But if it's just you and your, your MacBook, it can work really well. I went and visited a friend who bought what I think it's called the Next Desk. Are you familiar with this, Katie? You heard? I've heard about the Geek Desk. Is it a similar? This is the one that got the highest rating by Wirecutter. It's called Next Desk. And, and it um it's a desk and... He, I made fun of these things. He says, well, come over and see it. So I go over to his office and look at it and okay. you push a button and it goes up and down and it's really quiet. And I'm like, wow, that's something. And then I immediately ran screaming from the office. I didn't want to, didn't, it's just like, you know, when someone, I first got my iPad, I had friends that didn't want to touch it, didn't want to hold it because they knew if they did, they'd buy one. That's what <laughs> my experience was with the next desk. That's good. You cut yourself off. It's, yeah. it's good to know that about yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No self-control whatsoever. I'm still recovering from the um, the listener-imposed um, uh, purchase of many, many speakers with the oh, Sonos label you, on them. You, yeah. More? Really? I've got several now. Oh, dear. That's all I'm going to say. This is good to know about you. They're this growing. Is, this is very valuable information. It's kind of funny because I when I go to Macworld, I get – I've said this before on the show, so excuse me, but – 
there's always people that love to meet me at Macworld and their spouses and their spouses are not so happy to see me quite often. They're, they're actually kind of angry at me because we talk about stuff on the show and then they go buy it and they're like, Oh, you're the one. So it's you. So, so now it's like the listener revenge. I've spent like, I spent way too much money on speakers the last six months. You what you, it sounds like what you need is an alias. Yeah, maybe. You know, you're not David Sparks at, at Macro Expo when you're meeting people and, and their spouses. You're, you know, Bob Smith. I was hanging out with Merlin Mann at Macro a few years ago, and he made a name tag that said John Gruber on it. It was great. <laughs> of, of course he did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody knows Merlin anyway. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I think I, I went off topic again. You well, did. you don't have the treadmill desk, so we're, we're going to go ahead anyway. We'll make an exception because that seems to be a theme lately that everybody on our show has a treadmill desk. Although I don't have one either. So, oh, I, Although I am aspiring, so I'll, yeah. I'll get there eventually. Yeah. So if we're if we're talking about hardware, where do we want to go next? Do we want to go to Apple? Right, so, you, so you've got the MacBook Air. That's your only Mac? Uh yes. Oh come on now. No. No, that's fine. <laughs> All right. So and um iPad, iPhone. Yeah, yeah. And I pretty much, you know, I, I bounce between all three for um for a bit of work. I'm I'm trying to do more on the iPad just because it's it's so much less to carry. Like if there's days where all I need to do is write you know, maybe respond to email and stuff. Uh, I've, I'm finding that quite enjoyable. So are you able to get a lot of your writing done without taking the, the Mac with you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, more and more. How are you pulling that off? So on there, you can talk uh, a couple apps. There's uh, well, for a while it was uh, an app called writing kit and also an app called write up. And yeah. then as you and, and I would wager at least some of your listeners have uh, probably heard there's a new one out called Editorial. Yeah, we did yeah. a show on that. That was a big deal. Uh, I, f- I found that the writing apps, when you need to write, if, if you're the type of writer who needs to write, but you need to look stuff up, you need to maybe quote something or just check facts, whatever, these iOS apps that have a built-in browser work really really well because now you're not switching between apps you're still kind of switching between modes because like you drop in a browser window or whatever but in some ways i found them almost to be easier and more useful than mac apps uh believe it or not at least for some use cases because usually they're designed where you go to a website maybe you need to quote somebody you select some text you hit a button it inserts the text as a quote also inserts the source and links it for you like it takes care of a few of those steps of the process and it just yeah. it reduces that friction which is you know one of the things if you you know talk to most writers that's one of the things they're always trying to get rid of is just let me get these things out of my head onto whatever i'm writing and that's yeah. that's really useful you know and it's been my experience that the ipad in general gets rid of a lot of those other interruptions for you i mean i i love to take the ipad with me on a saturday morning everybody in my house likes to sleep in on saturday so i get up early and I'll go to the local Starbucks and get a tea and sit there and, and just crank on that iPad. And it's nice because I'm not getting notifications. I've got most of that stuff turned off and it's just a nice screen that retina screen on the big iPad looks great with a little external keyboard. And I find I, I get way more work done than I often do on my laptop. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been finding lately that for, you know, some things that I, I need to work on my Mac with, uh, I've, I've been getting used to, I've been forcing myself to try the full screen mode that Apple added, I believe in lion. Yeah. And 
that kind of recreates a little bit of that, right? You get the full screen app, nothing else. Um, you know, I, I shut off notification center and that recreates a little bit of those advantages from iOS on, on a Mac. And that, that really helps if you, you know, if you need to use a Mac. I need to try that. I so seldom use apps in full screen mode. I mean, just mainly because I'm connected to large displays and I feel like it's a it's a waste of the real estate. But I, I see when you grab your laptop and go somewhere how, how that could be helpful just to turn everything else off. Well, you know what I really love about that is it gives each app its own screen. And if you do the four finger swipe up, yeah, you, you get into where you see each app and you can quickly jump to the one you want and you see exactly where it is. And you never get that problem where you've got apps covered by apps. I, I'm a big fan of it. I, I have a 15-inch MacBook Pro, and I use full screen on a lot of them. But I think you should put on Go Home App You're Drunk um, the Apple Mail thing where you put it in full screen and you can't reference other email. That makes me completely nuts. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know how they, they haven't fixed it in Mavericks either. I don't know what, what's going on over there. Yeah, it, it it does kind of break down a little bit for for some apps, but I, I think the big hump is that you know when you if you try to start using these full screen apps on OS X, it's not just that trick. Like it's it's a change of at least a couple different habits. Like you mentioned the gestures. Yeah. Like it's it's not that easy getting between multiple full screen apps unless you're used to those four finger gestures. And I I got used to that on an iPad because that lets you swap between apps on on an iPad. So I had a little bit of practice there, but if you can do that, if you can force yourself to kind of try a couple of new habits and if, you know, one way or the other, if you can sort of start working that in, it can work really well for at least some tasks. Yeah. And so if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, if you take four fingers on your iPad and just swipe it across the screen, it will move to the next most recent app from right to left. And then if you go from left to right, it goes back to the other app. So you can, flip between your apps with four finger gestures. And it's, it's a huge improvement. If you do anything on the iPad that requires you to reference multiple apps, like when David was talking about earlier, embedding a web browser into a text editor, that's great if your text editor has it. But if it doesn't, if you've got Safari open in one screen and your text editor open in the next one, just with four fingers across the screen, you can jump between the two. And that, as soon as you figure that out, you become immediately more productive on your iPad. Yeah. And, and speaking of just to wrap up one thing, I think Katie, you had asked this about writing on the iPad. Uh, one thing that I've found more often lately I've really liked is using Evernote and uh, reminders, which is a new feature that it recently got for mm. actually for writing. Tell, me, tell me about that because <laughs> I, I use Evernote all the time, but I don't use it a lot for either writing or remind uh, reminders because um, you know, Evernote's not a great word processing app. I mean, it's fine for jotting down a quick note here and there, but it's not great for word processing or, or, you know, doing other stuff. But tell me how you're using reminders. Cause I'm not using reminders in Evernote at all. So the, this kind of comes back to this, this sort of um, mission I'm on to, to reduce friction in, in my workflows and, and try and make it easier just to get things out of my head or get from one task to another. And so a little while ago, Evernote, the note-taking junk drawer app, however you want to refer to it, got a feature called Reminders. You can basically create a new note, put whatever you want into it, you know, add links, copy web pages, you know, they have a little browser extension, and you can add a very simple reminder to go off days, weeks, months from now, and it'll show a little alert on your Mac, or it'll show an alert on your iOS device. 
and I was tinkering with the feature and I just, I set an alert on my iPhone one morning, just testing it out. And later on the reminder went off on my iPhone and just to make sure everybody's on the same page, you can swipe reminders on your iOS device and you will go straight to that app. Right. Right. You, you know, unless you just close your, you know, hit the power button and lock the screen again. If So I swiped that Evernote reminder and I opened Evernote and went straight to the note that I set that reminder for. So give me, give me an example of, of when you would set a reminder on a note. So I use Evernote kind of like you mentioned when I'm, I'm walking around and I have an idea about something that maybe I want to write later. I open Evernote and I, I toss that idea into a note Okay. and l- later on I'll come home and sit down and maybe I had five ideas that day and only one of them is worth anything. So I'll get rid of the others. I'll set a reminder on the one decent idea to come back to it Saturday morning when I have time to write. And the thing that really clicked for me is that Saturday morning when that reminder went off, I'm at the coffee shop and I swiped it and went straight to the note where that idea was sitting and I could start writing. It wasn't, it wasn't a reminder. The, The difference for a lot of people who might work like this is that maybe if you're using a task manager like OmniFocus, I do use OmniFocus for a lot of stuff. When you swipe a reminder for a task manager, where do you go? You go to the task manager. But when you're talking about certain types of tasks, such as writing, you can't do anything in your task manager. Right. It's just the yeah, place where you, you organize these ideas to do something, but you go somewhere else to do that something. So I realized that these Evernote reminders, when you swipe it, you go, you sort of skip the middleman, so to speak. And I don't want to use that term in a, in a derogative way. I love OmniFocus. I use it for a ton of stuff, but for certain things, I found that I really like that swiping that reminder and going straight to the thing that I need to do. It's kind of like the Monopoly card, go directly to go. You know, yeah. collect your two hundred dollars. So you you're just straight into your writing. How do, how do you find Evernote's text? I I I've had bad experiences in the past with with the formatting in Evernote, and as a result, I've just kind of written it off in my head for writing anything. And I use Evernote for stuff, but not for writing. Is it is it is it got better since the last time I tried it? It's it's getting better, and the way that I've found to make it work is that I use Markdown when I write. Yeah, uh, Evernote is not built with any markdown you know it doesn't do like code highlighting or anything it, it doesn't really give you any um extras there but i just i have a habit and some text expander snippets that help me write markdown and so it will it will leave that stuff alone i guess i i should say it will just it will let markdown you know it won't do anything to it yeah, and so it's just text right and so when it's time to actually put it somewhere i can just you know command a uh, command C, copy it all, and drop it into either Tumblr, which works great with Markdown, or WordPress, because I have a Markdown plugin installed. Do you have to clean the text first? I mean, do you have to put it somewhere to strip formatting, or does it go straight from Evernote to Tumblr? Straight from Evernote to Tumblr, yeah. Okay, so that's an improvement, because the time I tried it, it was putting all sorts of goofy formatting in there, and um, and that was an immediate you know stop for me, and that's in, okay. In Tumblr... Uh, I don't know how nitty gritty detaily we want to get, but in Tumblr you can you can turn on a special markdown mode, and yeah. that's basically that your text the text editor in Tumblr basically becomes a plain text editor, so it doesn't mess with any kind of formatting at all. So does it? So does Tumblr strip formatting when you drop text? Like if I took something out of Microsoft Word, let's just say horror of all horrors, right? I wrote <laughs> it in Markdown and uh, in Word, 
people actually do this. I wrote a book on it and people have written me saying they do this. <laughs> so if I, but then I block and copy it out of, out of word, it's going to have a bunch of weird stuff in there. And if I dropped it in Tumblr, would it, would it fix it or would it have all the, the word stuff there? There, there would be none of that extra formatting junk involved at all. Okay, so that's not an adequate test of Evernote then, because I want to I want to know that I can take something out of Evernote and it's already free of junk. But I, you you have um you have piqued my curiosity. I'm going to go back and look at that. Maybe maybe Evernote writing may have a place for me again. Well, the other thing you could do is can't you paste this plain text? I mean, I have a text yeah. expander snippet that will take whatever's on my clipboard and paste it as plain text. Yeah, you could do that with Keyboard Maestro. You could do it with Text Expander. There's a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff you can do. But that's not... I want to know that when I put these texts somewhere, I just want it in plain text format. I know I'm a weirdo, but that's what I want. No, that, that, that makes total sense. And that'll that'll work in Tumblr. As long as you turn on their, their yeah. markdown text editing mode, you, you got it there. Uh, that's, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Sounds to me, though, that Tumblr is doing the work for you on that in terms of stripping it. Maybe I'm wrong, right? I'm I'm honestly not sure. I, I haven't seen that stuff show up anywhere else because the only other place that I've tried doing this is with, with WordPress with a Markdown plugin installed and which turns the WordPress text editor basically yeah. into the same thing. It becomes a plain text editor. Yeah, my, my wife was just writing something for a web form and she went to paste it in and it was just a complete hairy mess because she had written it in, in pages, I think. And she didn't know what to do and, and I didn't have time to like, go through and set up a text expander snippet for her and it didn't have you know there there is actually a key command usually it's shift option command v i believe that that strips formatting but you know there's for a long story short i just needed to clean some text for her really quick i opened up byword and dumped it in there and byword is is pure text so whatever you put in there it'll strip that formatting out then we were able to put it in I think I just went down like a really yeah, that's deep rat a, hole. Yeah. So why don't we try to pop out of that rat hole a little bit? I'm going to uh, take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor. But when we come back, I'm just going to put you on notice, Dave. I want to know a little bit about how what a typical day is like for you. How does someone who wears so many hats manage all of their time? So you can think Fair about enough. that. And uh, I want to talk about our first sponsor for this episode. Our exclusive sponsor for this episode is the fine folks over at Smile. And Smile has released a brand new app since we talked about them last. And that is PDF Pen Scan Plus. It's available in the iTunes App Store or the iTunes Store, whatever we're formally calling it, for $4.99. And PDF Pen Scan Plus is an app for your iPhone, your iPad. It's a hybrid app, so you buy it once and you get it both places that you can use to scan in images that you take with your iPhone's camera. So if you've got a receipt, if you've got a business card, if you've got a piece of paper that you need to, to digitize, you can do that with PDF Pen Scan Plus. You just turn it on, you take a picture of the whatever the document is, or if you've already got a picture taken of the document and that document is on your camera roll, you can pull the picture in from your camera roll. Uh, PDF Pen will give you try to find the outlines of it and, and let, give you some options to crop it, give you some options to tweak the contrast, the brightness, um, decide if you want to save it in color or black and white or grayscale. And after you get done with all of that, this is, uh, you can share that image. You can share it with cloud services like Dropbox, Google Docs, Evernote, and more. It also works hand in hand with PDF Pen for iOS. So you can then take that uh, PDF that you've created and annotate it. But why is it called PDF Pen Scan Plus? And that is because the plus, I am told, 
stands for OCR, and that's Optical Character Recognition. And when you can OCR a document directly on your iPhone and or iPad, and the folks at Smile tell me that this happens directly on the iOS device, it's not getting shipped off to some other cloud service and it's happening there. But so you can take a picture of a receipt, click a button, and it will OCR and determine what the text is on that particular document that you scanned. And I haven't seen many other apps that will have the ability to do this. And this opens up all kinds of possibilities for geekery. And David and I have both talked about how we have Hazel rules that will automatically sort and file documents based on the contents of the documents or what's in them. So here, here's just an example of how I use PDF Pen Scan Plus. So I've got a set of, I've got a, a folder in my Dropbox folder that I call Scan Docs or Scans, I think is what it's called. And I've got Hazel on my Mac at home, on my Mac Mini at home that's always on, always running, always working in the background, looking at that Scans folder. So I've got a number of preset rules for things that I commonly take pictures of. And it will, if I snap a, snap a picture of a document, OCR it so it can actually read the characters in there, and then upload it to Dropbox, my Mac at home is going to pick up that there's a document in the Dropbox. It's going to check it against my Hazel rule set and say, oh, this is a receipt from that restaurant that I know about. And it's going to run my Hazel rules, whatever it may be. Maybe it's my fancy add to Evernote rule. Maybe it's to rename it and move it to an expense folder. Whatever it is, it's going to run all those rules in the background and just take care of it for me. How awesome is that? All because of the power of OCR. So you can find more information about PDF Pen Scan Plus over at Smile's website. That's smilesoftware.com. Pick up PDF Pen Scan Plus for $4.99 in the App Store. And thanks to Smile for sponsoring the show. I just think that's so huge that you can be on the road. You can take a picture and OCR it and upload it like from your phone and everything is managed with that document. You never touch it on a Mac. Yep. That's cool. Touch it once. Yeah. And smile people are, uh, are some smart, smart people. Yeah. 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 And it's all for five bucks. Really? <laughs> I can't get over it. 16 languages too on that. I did a screencast on it. So if you want to learn more about it, go to uh, smilesoftware.com and they'll point you at it. And I had a lot of fun making that screencast. See if you can see something funny in it when you read it. Yeah, there were ducks involved, I believe. Yes, there were ducks. You have a problem with ducks too, <laughs> I, I have no problem with ducks. No. All right. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about you, Floyd. Yeah. All right. So Dave, typical day. Typical day. Well, how, how much detail do you want here? I, I, I wake up, I get I mean, what coffee. do you eat for breakfast? I know. <laughs> so, but I mean, specifically, when you have so many jobs, how do you figure out what you're going to do or how much time you're going to devote to both or to either? Or how am I, you know, what am I going to do for, for this, this guy versus that guy or this client so, versus that client? Starting out in the morning... Uh, it's, it's all, it's all my, my day job work. So it's, it's, uh, one password stuff. So there's usually going to be a lump of email. Uh, I do a lot of content work and so I'll probably be working on blog posts or video content. Uh, we're trying to get more and more of that out right now. So when deciding whether I want to work on something else, you know, it, it kind of comes down to, you know, if you think of your day kind of sort of like a roller coaster but not exactly in the negative way but like you'll have you'll have dips and, and valleys of when you have to get something done and then maybe you can take a break or you know there's there's not a whole lot to do right now on this one project because you're waiting for an answer stuff like that and 
if you go to finer things in tech, one of my philosophies about the site is that I wanted to make it really low friction again for not just reading posts, but also writing them. So most of the posts there are really short. Some of them are only a sentence or two in a screenshot because the idea is, is I'm, I'm looking at these wonderful little features and I just want to bring some attention to them because those little things can make a big difference. Sometimes I wanted to make the posts the same way, like a sentence or two in a screenshot, if that's all you need. So it's really easy to get out, but you as a reader, it's also really easy to take that in. You swing by, you see the post, you read a couple sentences, and poof, maybe you just read something that can totally change the way you you use an app. So those are generally pretty easy to get out. And so I, I wanted them to be easy to kind of fit in throughout the day because it's, it's kind of a hobby. It's a little bit of a side project. I'm not exactly going to be retiring on anything I'm getting from Finer Things in Tech right now, but... It's it's easy to fit into my my other day, daily duties. So, you know, if I finish a, a a big blog post that I'm working on about one password, uh, you know, I can take a break and grab some lunch, and then on the tail end, I can spend five or ten minutes and get out something for finer things in tech. So it's it's kind of this constant um, push and pull isn't quite right, but it's it's just sort of a dance. You know, I'll, I'll work on something over here, and then I have some time to to fit something in over there, and then you kind of switch gears and it keeps the mind fresh and uh, hopefully keeps people informed on some fun stuff they can do. And one of the nice things about finer things in tech is it's not a high volume site. You're not putting out, you know, a new post every half hour and it's just little things that delight you. And uh, it's, it's, I think the volume's perfect. Excellent. Thank you. That's yeah. uh that's good to know. Cause I've been wondering about that. <laughs> now, and, do you have ahead, like a, a recurring kind of a list of, you know, these are, and I know you mentioned that you use use OmniFocus, or but but how do you know what you're going to work on any day from time to time? Do you have like, I mean, obviously you you go through your email and you say, okay, what what's popped up? What fires do I have to pop, you know put out? But do you have you know kind of ongoing projects that you chip away at a little bit here or there? Or how do you decide what to prioritize and when? That is a little bit of my own at my own discretion. So some of the content, you know, I can kind of decide how soon we put it together and how we can get it out and space things out. So, you know, not to keep coming back to everything, one password, but you know, we just had this, uh, a, a release. And so I'm trying to space out content to let people know about stuff that's new. So there's a little bit of that, but then there's also, you know, I got to talk to the folks upstairs and see what we need to get out. Is there some sort of a partnership going on or, is there some kind of a new document that we need to put together about a process that we need and, and, and things like that? So there's certainly a lot of collaboration with the company and I just I have to schedule things out in generally speaking, OmniFocus. That's pretty much where almost everything is. You know, when, the, when stuff like this comes up, say I need to schedule a uh, time for uh, a podcast, that's all in calendar. Yeah, that I, I think that's important. You have, you have tasks and you have appointments and those are very two diff different things. I get a lot of emails with people asking me, you know, well, how does OmniFocus work with your calendar? And my answer is it doesn't. I mean, if I make an appointment to record a podcast, it goes on my calendar. And I may add something to OmniFocus to prepare or research or something like that. But the the actual event has nothing to do with my task list. Yeah, and I, I think they actually... I largely agree with that, and but I also think that Omni uh, the Omni Group is onto something with the whole 
on uh, on iPhone, you can you can kind of if you the want for- you forecast can see the forecast. Yeah, yes. you can see your tasks coming up, but also if you want, you can see what calendar events are on each day of that week long forecast. I think there's I think there's something there. I, I don't know if it's entirely where I, I kind of want it to be, and that's part of the problem with being just a regular old user. Like I can't form what I want them where I want them to take it, but it's it can be kind of useful if you can sort of work it into your into your flow right now. Yeah, in the new iOS 7 version of OmniFocus 2, forecast is right across the top of the screen. It's the premier feature, and it, it makes sense to be there. I think that was a smart move. Uh, you know, really quick, though, you, you manage relationships with a lot of people in that role. I mean, you're the, you're the face or the voice of the company with people that, that Agile works with. And one thing we haven't talked about much on the show is kind of contact management and and how do you deal with these ongoing relationships? And I wouldn't say that you're like in a sales capacity, but you are really you are kind of trying to manage these relationships. Do you use anything special for that? I use contacts. Yeah, you do it all in just Apple contacts. I use Apple's contacts. I have found a tool recently called uh, CoBook. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. that's awesome. For yeah. um I found it first on iOS and then and then I think I found the Mac client. Uh that is is very, very interesting because it, it kind of goes a little bit above and beyond what uh contacts allows you to do. Like like, you know, a lot of these tools, right? Apple builds sort of a core experience and then if you want, you can go a little above and beyond. Cobook is really kind of interesting. I feel like I'm not entirely tapping the whole power of it, but like one thing you can do, for example, is let's say you need to send a group email to a whole bunch of people. You can open up CoBook and swipe a few names all at once and then hit the email button and poof. They're they're you know all wrapped up into this new email you're creating. You can set default addresses every time you contact these people. So, you know, a lot of us have at least a couple phone numbers and and five or twenty emails these days, right? Uh, you can set defaults for all that stuff. So when you add people to to a group message, for example, you know that it's going to go to their work address, not their personal, or vice versa. Yeah. It's it's got a lot of that kind of power. Yeah, to to pile on with Cobook, the the big problem I have with the Apple Contacts app, it, it has got a lot better, and I think with Mavericks, it's even going to be better. Oh yes, you know, it, it's for a while there when they had the weird two and three panes, it was really strange. But they they fixed a lot of things. But like you, I manage my contacts in the contacts app. When I meet with someone, I actually make notes of our meeting with the date stamp in the notes field of the contacts database. And if I just look up the person, I've got kind of a running list of important communications, um, which isn't the most scientific way to do it. I mean, I know there's apps out there that are, are web-based services that are built around doing that much better, but you know, contacts works for me, but to get at anything in contacts, you always have to lift up the mouse. You always have to click some little button to edit. And with Codebook, you just start typing. It, it feels to me a lot like Fantastical for calendar entry, where you can just start typing something and Codebook will figure out where it goes. Yeah, um, yeah, it's so a call. It, it just it really removes a lot of the 
you know, I know friction is an overused word, but it, it re- does that. It removes the friction from capturing information in your contacts database. Although, Katie, we do need to do a show someday mm-hmm. and really look at some of these bigger tools. Because I know there's sales guys listening to the show right now, pounding their head against the dashboard saying, you guys are crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, like you know, Daylight. And, or yeah. Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's some really good services out there. And I don't think we've ever really treated that right on the show. But but it is amazing how many people manage this stuff just in the contacts app. How about you, Katie? How do you do that stuff? You know, I do it in contacts. I'm I'm going to have to look at code books. I, I put some notes in the note field. Like, you know, this person, I, I, I try to add related contacts whenever I can. Like, this is this person's kids' names. This is their spouse names. Part of which is because I'm just so bad at you know, remembering people and details about them. Um, you know, one of my little things is I put people's um, Starbucks orders in my contacts note field, but I, Oh, smart. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be like, Oh, I'm, I'm running Starbucks. Can I get you something? Or if I, if I'm out and I know I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll grab something and bring them back. Whatever. Do you have mine in your, in your Starbucks, Katie? I don't know. I'll look. I bet you don't. Well, you drink tea. Yeah, well, I'm just so curious. I, Ooh, I just wanted to know where I rated in your world. That's all. I don't, but if you give me my your Starbucks order, I'll put it in here. All right. You know, I, I think there's um, if we have a little bit of time, uh, there's uh, there's a lot to play around with on iOS, uh, yeah. especially for situations where you know you're at a conference or you're you're meeting people wherever. Uh, I was playing around with Evernote Hello for a little while. Yeah, yeah, I was playing around with that a little too. That is a nice app for when you you meet someone, you just want to get their contacts into your phone. Uh, You know, if they're running Evernote, hello, you can like, they can all sense when they're in the same area and you just trade like a a standard set of contact information that you put in there. There's some really interesting stuff that they're doing. But for me, Evernote, hello kind of broke down a little bit because every new note, every new person that you add to it just becomes a note in Evernote. And I don't, I don't manage that kind of stuff in Evernote. Yeah, yeah, it just it just doesn't seem like like it's not there yet. Like it would be a great if Evernote put those contacts into contacts, but of course that doesn't really jive with Evernote's philosophy of, you know, everything you do in the Evernote ecosystem flows back into your Evernote app. So that's all of really... your information belongs to us. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking yeah, think... of that, for for a long time I used the Card Munch application which was um bought by LinkedIn. I, yeah. I started using it before it was bought by LinkedIn, but I just found that it was, you know, the most accurate because they actually use that Amazon Mechanical Turk, which is humans, um, to input your data. So you can, you know, you snap a picture of a business card and an actual person is putting the information in. So you can figure out for yourself how how accurate that is or how creepy that is. But their app, I think, has been a little bit buggy. It hasn't been updated in a long time. And then I'll tell you, I don't use LinkedIn that much. But I started getting you, – you can't tell me even though I've opted out of everything, they don't share that information because I started getting really freaky invites to – you know, or, or invites to connect with people on LinkedIn that I, I, I know there's some data mining behind the scenes going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're pushing to, to start making or, or making more money right now. So that – everybody was complaining about that for a while. It was just getting a little strange. Well, and, and, but to David's point about, you know, putting the information in Evernote, the, the, one of the points of having a Mac and an iPad and an iPhone is getting this, the benefit of this Apple iCloud sync throughout everything. And when you put a contact in contacts, it, it, 
improves the experience at every level. When the phone rings, you know who it is that's calling. Um, when you go to send an email out on your Mac, it gets the right name attached to it. I mean, you need this information in your contacts, no matter what you're going to do. And any service that, you know, that takes that away from your system is actually making it more difficult for you to get your work done. Right, right. And there's, there's all sorts of other strange little bits that, you know, I I don't know if, if Apple can solve them or if this is a third party thing, but for example, to go back to the to the conference analogy, uh, you run into someone at a conference, uh, a business contact, you want to talk to them more afterwards, they ask for your contact card. Do you really want to send them your contact card with all of your email addresses in it and your and what is most likely your home address as well? Yeah. Yeah, and, de- and it depends on what conference you're at. If I'm at a legal conference, I'm going to give people different information than if I'm at Macworld. Right. Right. And we, we don't have a solution for this at all. And it, it, this feels like one of those things that's okay. You're kind of power. You're, you know, how many people go to conferences, blah, blah, blah. but like people trade contact information all the time. You know, like if you're at a party or whatever and you run into somebody, it's like, Oh, Hey, we should go, you know, ride bikes sometime. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's, know, that's what people say. Do you want to, <laughs> do I want to, do I want to send them my home address right away? You know, like, I don't know. It just, it feels like one of those things that we just haven't, bothered to to solve one of those strange things that's just still on the to-do list you need those cards that um that david you have on your website the hoban cards those are great because it's just i've got a card with my yeah i've got a hoban 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 press this guy's got a like 19 or 18 something 1500 pound letterpress machine and he's a um He's a graphic artist by day, but his real passion is this letterpress printing. So he'll make a card for you. But I, I have him make me a card that it's got my name and my email address on it. And that's it. Yeah. Oh, Nothing hey. else. Because I was thinking about, you know, like I needed to leave my neighbor who I don't know a note. And I was just like, this is, I don't want to leave my my business card with all my you know, legal stuff on. Or, you know, what, what do people do when you just want to? Yeah. So uh, I've looked at those many times. When I was a little kid, I watched a a, um, a cartoon with the Roadrunner, and this is back when the Roadrunner and the Coyote they were ready. You know, it was on. It wasn't when they were friends. And Wiley Coyote gives Roadrunner his business card, and it says Wiley Coyote, super genius. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else. And uh, and yet that he's me, never caught him. It made me so happy. I thought I just thought that was so funny. It always stuck with me. So when I got older and I was an attorney, a friend of mine had a printing machine at his house and this is like in the nineties. And he's like, would you like me to make you a business card? And I said, yeah, make me a card. This is David Sparks, super genius on it with nothing else. So I made them for me. And I used to carry them around my wallet and I would give them to people just as a joke. And one day I was in court and I accidentally gave the clerk that card instead of <laughs> my, my big boy card. <laughs> she, she starts laughing. She's like, do you really want me to give this to the judge? <laughs> and I'm like, Whoops. Uh, I'll take that one back. <laughs> uh, it, you know, another thing you can do, though, in contacts app, you can make multiple contacts of yourself. So I've sure. got kind of the Max Sparky contact card and i've got i've got two or three different contacts for david spark so i can share a different one depending on the context and and who i'm talking to and that that's helpful too but it doesn't really solve the problem well and the other you know i I tried that actually i I remember reading that i don't know maybe on mac os 10 hints or something uh but the problem i ran into is i still use contacts 
the option and contacts to uh, merge all duplicates that are lying yeah. around. Yeah. And then that wipes out all the work you just did. Yeah, anarchy ensues at that point. Yeah, yeah, cats and dogs. It's uh it's a it's a problem that is has not yet been uh been solved. Well, I, I do think there's something to that and uh and you must have I mean, just for instance, like if so if you speak with someone you want to follow up with them, do you just go to OmniFocus for that and schedule yourself to to talk to them in the future? Uh depends on the context. That's that's one that's certainly one go to. Another one is just if, you know, if I have my cards with me, I'll give them that and then they can email me and, you know, we, we go on with an email conversation or, you know, I might have to turn it into a, a larger task or, or a project. So a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff comes back down to either OmniFocus or email, I guess. So s- since you're working at home, I imagine you've got some, some complication in terms of dealing with the people at Agile because they're up in Canada. Yeah. And yeah. Those Canadians. Uh-huh. And, and is there are there any special tools you use to to handle that problem? Well, so, Agile's all over the place. I mean, you've got people in yeah, Canada, you've got people in Chicago, you've got people in the UK, you've got people in Ireland, you I mean, all uh-huh. over the place. Yeah, we are we are everywhere. Uh So you you mean <laughs> so like kind of ominous. <laughs> <laughs> uh we are not always watching though, fortunately. Uh so do you mean like communication? Like how do we, you know, talk and get things done during how, the day. How do you guys set a meeting? So Skype. We'll basically do what we're doing right now for this call. Uh, we'll have a Skype, you know, call or, or a group call. Uh, we've, I think some people use Hangouts every now and then, uh, Google Hangouts uh, to, to, and they, they seem to really like those, but usually Skype pretty much gets things done. So there's, there's no, um, I guess, you actually, you guys did open an office recently, but there's no virtual office where where people just hang out and, and work. in. do you have like a campfire or anything like that? Or oh yeah, we do we do have a chat room. Yes, so like for for just you know general all team you know a place where everybody you know hangs out. We have a hip chat. Uh, we had campfire for a while. They bounced, I think, between campfire and and uh, IRC for a little bit, and we've been on hip chat for a while, which I can't speak for the team, but I I really like it's. It's it's got a little bit of of both. You can do some IRC kind of things. Uh, it's very simple, like Campfire. You know, it's a hosted service. You can set up different rooms. You can have one to one, you know, personal chat. So that's something I've really enjoyed. I don't need to run a separate IM client for most of the day, which I've I've kind of liked. You know, cutting down on the number of apps that I need running and beeping and bouncing at me. That's been really nice. And for team. Like documentation, you know, like we need to write down processes or have a list of app store codes or start kicking around ideas for the next release. We are using Confluence, which is also from the people who make HipChat. Their uh, company's name is Atlassian. And it's sort of like a, like a, it's a really, really powerful, I, I hate to call it a wiki because that will give you sort of the wrong impression in your head if you've never used Confluence, but it's, it's super, super powerful. Like it has a bug tracking tool. There are basic wiki tools in there, but you can reference issue numbers that are in the bug tracker and link pages and automatically create a, a table of contents based on the headers in the document that you're working on. And it's it's kind of wild. I think every person we've talked to that works out of a virtual office has some sort of chat client or way of keeping everyone connected at all times. 
I don't think we've ever had someone on that doesn't. And it, it, I think it kind of speaks to the social experience of work. I mean, you do need the ability to just grab somebody and ask a question. And when you're in different time zones, how do you pull that off? That is, that just comes down to scheduling things and being very, very specific of, you know, I've, I've gotten into the habit of if, if anyone says, you know, 5 p.m., but there, there's no designation of a time slot or anything after it, the first thing in my head is, okay, what time, what, what yeah. time zone and world are we living in right now? Yeah. 5 p.m. where? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we also use Google Calendar, like if we really need to schedule things and, and invite people to stuff, uh, that that handles that end of of the process. Where, where are the hangups with people spread out like this? I mean, at what point do you guys run into problems with this uh, type of work environment? Problems. It, typing for chat instead of talking like we are right now can just create little things, you know, tone of voice when you're joking around about something or, you know, typing takes time. It takes a lot more time to type something out. Even if you're really fast, you can, a lot of people, I would say myself included, and I'm, I'm a fast typist. I'm a writer. Uh, I could, I can still talk faster than I can type. So there's also just a sheer speed element involved here. Yeah. Katie and I run in that just on our show mm-hmm. planning, because we'll get into a message and just a, you know, an Apple messages exchange. And after we've said two or three things in two or three minutes, one of us says, one of us is calling. This is crazy. Pick up the phone, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, now, now that you're, you're asking about this and I'm thinking back through it, we were straight chat for a very long time. And then we had our, our new CEO come in, uh, Jeff Shiner, and he basically brought in a culture of, of phone calls. And I remember, uh, I think, some of us kind of, it, it's it's a workflow change, right? You know, we haven't been doing phone calls a lot, and now all of a sudden we need to schedule phone calls. And, you know, there's a lot of nerds out there, and I'll, I'll admit I've been, I've been one of them who has kind of been like, I you know, I own an iPhone, but that's the last thing I do with it, you know, is, yeah. is making calls. I kind of got into that habit, and now I, I really appreciate it. For certain types of things, when you need to talk, when you need to communicate faster, when you need to say a lot more in a shorter amount of time or anything like that, it it really does help. There's definitely a place for it. So that's that has been a hang up that that I think we fixed by by adding phone calls back into the workflow and the culture. It just feels like we're in very early days with the internet world and extended workplaces. And it's fascinating to me the people who are at the sharp end of the stick here and actually living this stuff. Because I'm not one of them. I, I actually, you know, go to an office every day and talk to people. So uh, that is a subject of of interest to me. Uh, I do want to talk to you, though, about some of the finer things, Apple, and some of the the little apps that you love. But before we do that, I want to talk again about our sponsor today, that's Smile Software. And I wanted to talk about Text Expander. And Text Expander is the little app that saves everybody a ton of time. And the way it works is you just type in a few letters for a snippet, like C-C-E-L-L, and then it plops out your cell phone number in the format that you want or any type of abbreviation to create any snippet of text you want. But text expander does so much more. They have ways you can build autofill forms in there that'll put in today's date, for instance, or you can have fill in forms that'll put up a little blank where you can fill something in. One of my favorites for that is my, I just used today. In fact, is a, is a conference call when I have where I type in conference call without space and it creates a whole email 
And I can send it out to a group of people that has the conference call call-in number and the conversation number and an estimate of how long it's going to take and all these great things. I was on the phone with a guy and he says, well, we need to do a conference call and nobody knows how to set one up. And within 10 seconds of him saying that to me, I had an email out to everybody on the list with the conference call-in number and everything they needed. And he couldn't believe how I did that so fast. And it was all because of Text Expander. I talked recently on a show about my stats for the last couple of years. I saved six days. I could not believe when I looked at it. And I believe it when I think about it because I use it so often. In fact, Katie and I were talking about it. And we have a lot of listeners that are like us that use Text Expander for crazy, uh, crazy time saving. So send it in if you're one of those and tell us what snippets you're using to save so much time. And, and maybe we'll include you in a future ad spot. Uh, finally, I want to point you out with text expander. Here's my tip for, for this week is go to maxsparky.com. I've got a section on the website with a bunch of text expander snippet groups that I love. I just posted one last week called my media review snippets. And I created these snippets for every time I go to a movie, read a book or read a comic and I'm putting them in day one. So when I read, go to a movie you know, like, let's say I went and watched gravity, I can just type movie review without space and it creates a whole form for me. I can rate it with stars. I can put notes about what characters I thought were interesting or what I liked about it. And I'm really kind of enjoying now going back and looking at the reviews I wrote a while back. So this has really become a thing for me. And if you like to take notes when you read a good book or go to a movie, why not automate it with text expander? So that's just another example of what you can do with this app. It's a $34.95 if you go to smilesoftware.com to buy it. And that gets gets a text expander on your Mac. They also have text expander touch for the iPhone and iPad. And since they use Dropbox to sync that text expander database, all of your snippets will go across. So like I can walk out of the movie and I can immediately use my text expander snippet on my iPhone to review the movie. And it's, it's really a lot of fun. Uh, thanks a lot, Smile, for sponsoring the podcast. And if you haven't checked it out, go get text expander. And if you already own text expander, go to that website I've got and download some of those snippet groups. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. Are we going to start seeing movie reviews on Max Sparky? No. Because no. <laughs> I, I, I don't have enough class. I mean, I the stuff I like is is nutty. I, I started watching the show on you, BBC. You've been, you've been on the internet before, right? Nutty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nutty is true. like, you're, you'd fit right in. I, I, I have enough, uh, I'm self-aware enough to realize where I have no business saying anything publicly. <laughs> but, but, but having said that, I've been watching the show Merlin on BBC lately, and it's really kind of getting to me. I, I, I can't stop watching it, but it kind of makes me mad, too. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've seen that one yet. Yeah. Katie, Katie, have you watched that one? Mm-mm. I don't have cable. All is right. it on Netflix? Uh, yeah. That's what I'm watching on Netflix. It, oh, okay. it is a problem. There is way too much good TV on these days. Yeah. I mean, we, we watch our Apple TV. We barely watch our, our cable. Like, there there are so many shows. We didn't get to The Wire. Uh, I haven't watched most of Game of Thrones. Uh, I never saw Lost, but everybody tells me to not bother with anything past the first season. Uh, like, there's just a list of, of uh, in Evernote, actually, of, of TV shows that sooner or later... Uh, I, I should probably make an attempt uh, to at least watch a pilot for. And Jason Snell is my sensei. If he says to watch it, I'll watch it. Ha. That's that's a very good one to have. Um, 
So let's talk about Finer Things Apple and this Finer Things in Tech website. You have been doing this now for several years. What are some of your favorite gems that you have found um, in the process? My favorite gems? The ones that that really are a workflow epiphany. Like those those little things that just make all the difference. Like I remember, I, I think it was with Lion when it came out, Apple hid the library folder, the user's library folder. Yeah. Because that's where, you know, a lot of app store data, apparently users have been going in and, and just ripping stuff out of there, you know, and all of a sudden an app doesn't work anymore because, you know, they were throwing out something that they, they, they didn't, they didn't know what they were doing. So yeah. I, I totally get Apple's reason for doing it. And we were all looking for a way to easily get back to that folder, at least people who who do know what they're doing or, or do really have a legitimate need to get in there. And somebody just found that going in the Finder, going up to the Go menu, that's, I don't know about you guys, but I, I never had, I shouldn't say never, but I have long not had a use for that menu. I almost forgot it was there. You yeah. go up to that menu and hold the option key and poof library shows up as an option next to, you know, desktop downloads and all those other shortcuts that they have there. It just shows up out of nowhere. You can hit it. And then now you're in your, your library folder in a new finder window. That is uh like, that was just one of those great little things that solved so many problems of having to get in there. Cause otherwise usually that's one of those problems that you otherwise need like some sort of a big utility, like um, I think cocktail you know, it's it's yeah. one of these these big system utilities that you use to fix a whole ton of other things. And Cocktail is great. I actually use it for a bunch of stuff. But for this type of thing, you know, you don't have to start up a big utility and go digging around for a certain setting and hit it and then restart the finder in order for this preference that you just changed to take hold. Like, it's just a little keyboard shortcut and poof, all these problems yeah, or, are solved. Yeah, go in terminal and type in a magic incantation. And then the next time you reset your Mac, it goes away and... <laughs> Yeah, you're right. In fact, the option key is a great tip in general when you're dealing with the menu bar. Oh, uh, yeah. If you, if you look at all of your menus, um, different things will happen and get exposed when you hold the option key, especially with the Apple apps. And it even applies to some of the menu bar icon tools. Like if you have the the wireless or the, the airport icon, if you tap that, normally you get a list of the available networks. If you hold the option key and tap it, you get a lot more data about the network you're attached to, what channel you're on, and the signal strength. It's, it's really a useful trick. Yeah, and it, it does, you know, you can hold it to uh, immediately restart and shut down your, your Mac instead of having that little dialogue that pops up to ask you, are you sure if you hold option, that goes away. So when you go to the Apple menu and click things, it'll just disappear. And in iTunes, I think it does a bunch of stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. The things I love the most on finer things in tech is when you find something that's just like I said, a little delight, like you had posted one recently about the display preference on a retina MacBook pro. And if you go to the display preference, the wallpaper is the think different speech. Yeah. It's like, I I didn't even realize that was there. Mm -hmm. And then I went and looked at it and I just loved it. That that was one of those things that somebody just, you know, they, they must've just taken a little bit of extra time that that might've been snuck in, or maybe they just wanted to add some extra polish for the people who are buying retina books. But it's, it's those, for me, it comes from, you know, writing, writing in this business for long enough and talking to developers and following them in particular on social media you know, you get to watch 
you know, I'll, I'll have those nights when I'm up at like one thirty in the morning because I can't sleep. And one of these developers is up slaving away, trying to figure out this, this little thing that he's trying to work into, into an app. And, you know, they're talking about it on social media, or maybe they're, they're trying to get help from somebody else on Twitter right now, get a chunk of code or figure out what manual they need to go look at. And it's, it's that little stuff that they're up just slaving away on. Sometimes it's these things that you'll never notice unless it's your birthday and you just got a new Mac and it's that stuff that's just so great. These little gems that, that might not get noticed otherwise. And it's funny that there are certain developers that show up at finer things in tech quite often because they're the kinds of developers that are always looking to delight us. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of the great things. I mean, if you want to bring it back to like the, the, the culture of, of just this community is it, it, I think it comes in part, not entirely, but in part from Apple, right? That's something that they always talk about, wanting to delight the user and making things simple and wonderful. And that the culture picks up on that in such a big way. And there's so many developers out there who just, they go the the extra mile and then some to to do that. Yeah, I would argue that the biggest asset that Apple has is its developer base, because there are some just truly amazing developers putting apps out. And in a lot of ways, that's what makes the Mac so useful to me are the these utility apps that Katie and I get excited and talk about. But right. like Text Expander is an example. I mean, it's just something that allows me to get my job done so much faster. And then, you know, we, we get we hear from Windows people that want to have a similar application. And usually there's something similar, but whatever it is, the person went to bed at 10 o'clock instead of 2 a.m. And it shows in the application. It's just not quite as good. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, you can, you could probably do an entire show on this if you wanted to, but one of the other things that really strikes me is that the, the, the community overall is super eager to help each other. Like developers are always publishing some kind of open source library that they built themselves to, to do some sort of, you know, core function of their app. And they, they often say, well, this might be useful to a lot of other people. So I'll throw it up on my website or whatever, or up on GitHub, you know, and, and other people can use it and, fork it and and do more things with it they they it's a community like that's not just a word like it really means something here they are totally eager to help each other in in so many ways yeah and there's there's a mutual respect among them and i think they they do help each other it's not just lip service yeah it's it's great to see just just watch it happening you know on their blogs and now on social media but then you you really see it in the apps you do well, I think while we're on this topic, we've we've got to talk about Sean Blanc's book that he just put out, Delight in the Details. Yeah, it, it talks a, about all of these. It's yeah, great. it's a great book. Yeah, Sean Sean's another one of those people that that really gets that stuff, and he does he does great writing at his site and his his reviews. He always picks up on that stuff. If you if you want to get a really nice long review that just will will delight in the details and and sprinkle that in, he's a he's a great writer. Yeah, and just a super nice and kind person you know i mean it's another I, there is a there's just a real community here and i think i'm starting to you know get fanboyish but it's just so true um i've had such a great experience with so many of these people who write about and create stuff for the mac yep 
I, th- I think I'm rambling, Katie. How can- <laughs> you should be like interrupting um, me and telling me to shut up by now. Yeah, no, I know. My mute switch isn't working today. But D- right. Dave, I don't think we, we covered this, but how do you find all of the things that you, you looked about? How do, you, how do you write about, how do you filter all of, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff out there. How do you how do you filter what comes in and, and figure out what you're going to? what you're going to focus on. Wow. That's a big one. Um, <laughs> I think it comes down. Where should I start? I think it helps. So it, early on, early on, I started following and I still do to this day, but it, it helps a lot early on. I started following the people that I was interested in, the the writers who I, I dig their style. I like what they write about, whatever. I started watching what they would talk about and the things that they would like. So you sort of start following the, the six degrees of of whatever this thing is that you like. You know, John Gruber talks a lot about other developers. He often links a lot of other developers who he likes. So I go over there and, and check out those developers. And, oh, it's a great shop. They have a nice website. They make this awesome app that I like, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you can you can go down as, as far down that rabbit hole as, as you want to. But that's a great way of just following that that link of, I like this person, and I like this person, and I like this person. That helps a lot. But then once you start building up all that content, so for me, back in uh, <clears throat> the old days when uh, I was using an RSS reader, if uh, if the kids listening might know what those are, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, you start piling up all these blogs, right? So now all of a sudden you're, you're buried under tons and tons of content. And so that, uh, I think I was using NetNewsWire at the time, that forced me to start learning the tools, really well. Like I, I stepped back one day and I just said, Oh, I can't read all this stuff. You know, you start getting that, um, that unread count guilt, right? Yeah. That, that number yeah. just keeps getting bigger and bigger. 723. Yeah. Right? And you start feeling yeah. bad for whatever reason that you can't read all these things, even though there's no one around to be insulted by that fact. And so I just said, you know, I don't want to delete all this stuff because there really is a lot of great stuff here. So what's, what's my option? And I realized, well, there's lots of tools here. There's menus up at the top. Maybe there's something that can help me. And then you, you start learning about keyboard shortcuts and you, I ran across one day, I think somebody had a tweet that said, you know, you can't read it all. Shift A is your friend, you know, stuff like that. Mark it all as yeah. red. That helps, you know, and then getting used to the search tools to, to start, you know, pinpointing certain things that you want to look up for. So I think it's a combination of, of just finding a whole bunch of content that you might be interested in and then finding some great tools that will help you sift through it all and start finding the things that you want and want to work with. Well, sounds like you're not using an RSS reader anymore. What are you using now? Oh, I am still, I, I, I am still for sure. Uh, I just know that there's sort of been that sort of big shift of like, do people really use RSS anymore? And is, you know, is Twitter really just the way that everybody's been going? And to be honest, I, I think there is something to that, at least for some people. Uh, but these days, I am using now ReadKit. Yeah, that's a popular one right now on the Mac. Yeah, uh, and I was using Reader on um, iPhone, uh, iPhone and iPad for a while, and then I found uh, Mr. Reader on iPad. That's a really good one. That has, if you need a ton of tools, you know, if you've got to use every bookmarking and social sharing and... Um, you know, image sharing services under the sun. Mr. Reader is great for that. Uh, But it's, yeah, uh, finding a ton of great content and then learning how to sift through it, not just getting rid of it all. Yeah, We did a whole show on it, so I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. But but where did you go when Google Reader shut down? Feedly. Okay. 
yeah uh i was using feedly for a little while anyway i really like some of the you know for a long time in google reader it was uh i I really liked the fact that it was sort of like an email client for the web so to speak you know it was just a list of headlines one after the other and then flipboard i think came out and it was like oh wow sifting through this stuff can kind of be beautiful too you know you can kind of look like a magazine but flipboard doesn't have some of the power and and the flexibility of an rss reader so i started looking for those again and i liked feedly because you can get a little bit of both you can make just a folder or just an individual feed look like a magazine so if you follow image heavy stuff you can get that or you can just make them all a list of headlines that you just need to power through well, it's a um, it's a brave new world out there for RSS feeds. I, I, I you know, I've, we talked about this. So I don't like I said I don't want to go at length, but I think you're right. You got to be kind of brutal as you go through things to decide what you're actually going to read and what you're not going to read. And if you can do that, if you have the discipline to do that, I think it's okay subscribing to a few more feeds than you'd want because you're just you just accept that you're not going to read it all. Yeah, I mean, there there's certainly people out there who are like, I want to subscribe to three magazines and I want to make sure I read them, you know, cover to cover every single day. And that that totally works. But if you're looking, you know, I kind of think about tools like this, like RSS and even Evernote, you know, for catching lots of web pages and stuff is you're sort of building your own personal bubble of the stuff that you care about. And I think that has a little bit different of a purpose. You don't need to read all that stuff, especially when it comes to like an RSS reader, you're collecting all that stuff in order to maybe have it as sort of like a reference. You know, you need to sift through it all to find that one thing that you need down the road, a link or a quote or whatever. And so reading everything just, it's not practical. First of all, you're just going to, you know, guilt yourself into anxiety, but it's, it's a tool with a different purpose. And that's, that's totally okay. If you can step back and, and realize that and kind of adjust your focus and the way you approach these tools, it can work really well. And, and I think part of me thinks this is a nerd problem that we, we subscribe to so many things where normal people are not going to subject themselves to that sort of abuse. And this is really not a very big problem because there's not, there's not that many nerds of us out there that, that fall into this trap. But then another part of me thinks that's really the challenge for the next generation of the software is to look at your history and then give you the five things that you're really interested in today where you don't have to go filter it yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's the big thing that you can see a lot of a, a good chunk of the the readers and, and other new services like pulse and even dig, you know, in its, yeah. in its new form is yeah, we, we do subscribe to way too much stuff. So now it's time to, to use computers you know, we got to put these things to work somehow. Uh, yeah. Or like t- Fever. Fever's another one that, that tries to do that. Yeah, Fever's really good. I mean, if we want to start talking about some features here, Fever can sort of... Fever looks at that personal bubble of all the feeds that you have, and then it has a hot list that can look at what everybody is linking to right now. So you can sort of get a really quick glance at the big thing that all your feeds are talking about either today, this week, last month, three months ago, etc. Well, I think whoever really cracks that nut right where it's really simple to implement um, that they're going to uh, set a revolution in this kind of stuff for us. And I just don't think it's happened yet, but I think a lot of people are thinking about it. Yeah. I, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know how we feel about uh, Facebook here on the show. Uh, I don't know if K- Katie David loves hates it. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're working on that problem too, you know, love them or hate them. And they, they talk a lot about that, about, you know, we want to let people follow a lot of stuff, but you don't always need to see everything from each service. And they've been doing 
you know, they're one of the world's largest data mines, right? So they have, they've been working on that problem for a while too. And they're, they're getting better at it. I, I like Facebook too. I follow way too much stuff on it. And I kind of like the way that you can say, you know, I want to see everything from this person or this company or whatever, but only like the important stuff from those people over there, you know, like I can be friends with a high school acquaintance that I really don't talk to much anymore, but I do kind of, you know, I like that person, but I don't want to see their lunch from Instagram every day. Like, I just don't care about that. But when they have a baby, sure. You know, they get a new job or whatever. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool to know about. They're, they're getting better at that kind of stuff. Well, David, I think, and Dave, I think we've hit about our, our requisite time here. So yeah, if we go over an hour and a half, people actually send us hate mail. They get angry. It's time yeah. to stop playing now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, but it's I been a think, lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm really glad we finally got that. You literally have been on our list for years and I don't know why it took us so long to get this to happen, but uh, it was a, a lot of fun talking to you about these things. Where can people find you? The easiest place is, uh, David Chartier.com. Uh, Hopefully you can look at the spelling of that name so I don't have to spell it out for you right now. Um, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. Or, or probably on Twitter. I'm on there, I'm on there often enough, so it's uh, at Chartier. Yeah, and, and once again, everybody, do go sign up for Finer Things in Tech. It's just such a it's, – it's one of my favorite blogs, really. Thank you. That is way too and, kind of you. And I don't read – like we were talking about earlier, I don't read every post you put up. Maybe about an app I don't even own. But so often you put something up there that, that gives me a little smile. And that's what it's all about. So, Katie, where can you find us? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode on our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU slash 159 for this episode. And if you want to send me a note about how I screwed up my discussion of Evernote yet again, you can do they that. Will. <laughs> to uh, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com or uh, at MacPowerUsers on the Twitter and Katie's at Katie Floyd and I'm at MacSparky. And uh, we will be back next week. So thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.